for those of you that are new, hey, welcome. My name is Prentice. I'm the lead pastor here at Bethany West Seattle. Uh, And I'm just so grateful uh, for this morning as we start a new series called Rhythms, Rediscovering Rest and Renewal. Uh, And I was really excited about this sermon series on ultimately Sabbath, about rest, uh, because I feel like as I was preparing for it, it was a sermon to myself. And so uh, for many of you in here, you might be thinking, uh, Sabbath is a great idea, but, you know, I, I can't do it, or it's not realistic for me, uh, and my hope is that we could uh, frame it in a way that's new, frame it in a way that is plausible, and, and frame it in a way that you really feel like you can live into this, and God can use it to transform our lives and our families and our relationships. Uh, and so, uh, to that end, let me just read this morning's verses to you. We'll pray, uh, and we'll get started. Our text for this morning comes from Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. And let me just start off by saying this. Today, uh, as as Pastor Megan said, that it is family worship day once a month. And I love it. I love that this morning is all about families included in the service. Uh, And I see, I love it. And here's the deal. I, I, I once read someone saying regarding the church uh, that it is much better to hear the noise of children than to have no children at all. And so I'm so thankful that this could be a church of families. Uh, and really, if your kid makes noise, I consider that worship. Uh, and the only response, the only thing the person next to you might say, and the only thing that's appropriate is, can I help you? Can I hold your child? But make sure to ask first before you take someone's child. Uh, Can I support you? Hey, I love that noise. That's the only appropriate response we will experience here in this service, uh, in any service where there is children. Yeah? Okay. Let's get started. Our text for this morning, Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. And the word of the Lord says this, And on the seventh day... God finished the work that God had done, and God rested on the seventh day from all the work that God had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, or in other translations, made it holy, uh, because on it God rested from all the work that God had done in creation. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have created this concept of rhythm, that we work that we relate to one another, and we rest and we connect with you. And God, may this be a small part of that Sabbath. And in in our obedience, in our trust, in our letting go, uh, may we be refreshed uh, as we go about this week, as we continue our rhythm of work, of play, of, of rest, of joy, of celebration, and even of grief and mourning for many of us. And at the end of the day, may we return to what you have for us, and that's Sabbath. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Oftentimes I start off by telling a story, uh, and many of it uh, oftentimes has to do with Maria and myself, my my wife Maria. Uh, And uh, I just remember several years ago when we first started dating, 
uh, we, were, we would go out for, you know, the, the Christian date, which was coffee. We'd go out for coffee. We'd go for walks. Many of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and, and I remember thinking, I wanted this relationship to work out so badly uh, that all of a sudden, uh, we have things in common. Uh, and all of a sudden, and coincidentally, whatever she enjoyed, <laughs> I enjoyed as well, right? So whatever music she liked, I would say, oh, that's funny. I really like that musician as well. Uh, or certain hobbies she liked. Oh, I love hiking and, and backpacking and all those things. What a coincidence. And, and I remember one time she said, you know what I really love? I love the symphony. And, and I thought to myself, okay, I have a choice here to just tell her the truth or maybe to embellish a little bit, because I've listened to the symphony before on accident by scrolling through the radio stations, uh, and I kind of like it. It's pretty cool. And so uh, I chose to say I love the symphony as well. And she said, well, that's wonderful because I play the violin, and maybe many of you have heard her play the violin here. And she would say that I have a concert coming up. And I panicked a little bit because I didn't know what that meant, what that looked like. Do I dress up in a tuxedo? Or do I, what do I do? But I said, okay, I'll, yeah, I would love to go to your symphony, to your concert. And, and I went, and I was a little nervous because I didn't know what to expect. And I sat down, and, and I will say this. I'm glad it wasn't a lie because I was blown away at the experience. My first symphony, and I was blown away at what I heard. And, and it was, and maybe many of you have been to a symphony before, but there, there's a conductor, there's one person with, the, uh, at that time, it was his hands kind of, kind of dictating what was happening in the symphony. And, and there was moments where his body got big and, and it got loud and it was this section and then that section. And then there was moments where he slowed down and it was quiet and there was actually no music at all, or there was quiet playing here. And then all of a sudden, he raised his hands, and it got big again, and then it got, it got quieter again. And I remember thinking, every aspect of that experience played an intricate role of how much I enjoyed and was just blown away by the symphony. And so the moral of the story is that it's okay. No, I'm just kidding. It's not okay to lie. But it's okay to experience all that God has for you. And, and I think about that experience as, as life. And, and if I were to ask you to describe your life like a symphony, many of us would probably resonate with the loudness of it. Dare I even say the, the chaos uh, of, of life. Not the stillness, not the quiet, not the peaceful, not the restful, especially as the holidays come through. I, I bet for many of us, our anxiety is, is rising. And just like the conductor, the big parts of a symphony, that is what our life is like right now. Maybe you're trying your best just to be a good parent and you feel like you're just above water. Maybe your marriage has been suffering and you just don't know what the solution is. Maybe you're having issues with friendships and roommates and family members and you just seem like it just seems like there's no resolve. Maybe you're grinding away at work and it seems like there's no end in sight. Maybe 
your finances are in the rocks or in trouble and the holidays are coming up just to add salt to the wound. Maybe you're dealing with loss and grief and life is just hurting right now. And so if you would describe your life as a symphony, it would be just this loud and chaotic mess of an aspect of what's happening. And I would say like a conductor to an orchestra, I really think that right now, right here, God is signaling to many of us, including myself, that we just need to slow down and to rest. Take a deep breath and to experience Sabbath, Shabbat. Literally means to rest. Literally means to seize work, to stop work. And again, that might not be your actual day job, but work could be just the things that we're just grinding away at our souls, the things that we're just trying to do to produce and to achieve and to just stay active in whatever that is. And God is saying, we need to rest. We need to do the very opposite of that and experience Sabbath to seize work. Now, Sabbath is hard. And again, like for myself, Sabbath feels like, it. now let me back up, if as this video that showed us is true, and I believe it is, if Sabbath is a day, a literal day, maybe not a whole day or some time and space in our life set aside to seize work and do nothing uh, or to rest and to relax and to unplug, that seems almost unrealistic especially here in the West, especially here in the Northwest, where achievement and productivity and success uh, is so glorified, it seems as if it's so unrealistic. And there's Because there's always something that needs to get done. Work is never finished. And if you're anything like me, we live by a mantra that says, if you want it done right, if you want it done well, you have to do it yourself. And so you drive, and we drive ourselves to the ground trying to do things ourselves. And, and again, on top of that, we live in a world that being busy, producing success, achievement, is this highest badge of honor to the point that we feel disappointed or even disposable if we aren't proving our worth through our work. And the outcome of this constant need to prove our worth in our achievements, in our work, in our productivity is workaholism. It's broken relationships because of our skewed uh, priorities. It's our anxiety. It's this need for control. Ultimately, it's a need for greed and our lack of surrender because I can do it. I'm going to hold on and I can make everything better by working harder. And at the end of the day, at the bottom line of that is idolatry. I can make this happen by what I can do with my hands, by holding on tight, I can change the outcome of, into whatever I want. It's a sense of idolatry. Again, if chaos is what describes our life, the scripture reminds us that in a world of chaos, 
rhythm is always the answer. In a world of chaos, rhythm, particularly the rhythm that God has set out for us, becomes the answer. Again, in Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, see, in this text, there's a created earth. That, it says, described as formless and void. Now, without getting too much in the weeds of the theological matter here, what we do know is this. There's an earth that was created. And this idea of it being formless and void or formless and empty in some translations, the English is a tad bit misleading because one may assert that it was just empty, that there was nothing in there. But that's not exactly what it says. And, and the video also said the same thing. Formless uh, is the word tohu, and the, and the word void or empty is bohu. So the earth in Hebrew is this play on words tohu and bohu. And in other parts of the Hebrew Bible of the Old Testament, tohu, bohu always goes together, and it always describes, again, chaos. It describes a wasteland, or it describes a place that is uninhabitable. And on the other side, to create is this Hebrew word barach. And barach, to create, was always about function, not about material substance. And here's what I mean by that. If I gave you an example of a wooden chair, uh, there's a chair. Now, what if I took all the legs apart on a chair, the seat, the back, the screws, whatever, and I just threw it in a pile? All the substance was still there. Does a chair exist? Because a second ago, there was a chair, but now that I take things apart, you can't sit on it. It's just a pile of wood and screws and, and, and whatever. Does the chair exist? And in the Hebrew mind, because it's about function, not material substance, in the Hebrew scriptures, they would say, absolutely not. The chair does not exist. But to barach, to create something in the Hebrew mind, is essentially somebody building it, not out of nothing, but out of substance that was already there. It's creating order out of chaos. Because right now, in this pile of wood and screws, it's just a mess. It's just chaotic. It's just chaos. But if someone to come in and to uh, get a screwdriver and to screw in the, the legs, the seat, the back, and now you can sit on it, now it has function, the Hebrew mind would say, now a chair exists. And in the Old Testament, belief is that barach, to create something, was more about functionality than it was about substance. And so in Genesis 1, uh, I don't know what it looked like. At the end of the day, I do think that God created everything and out of nothing, ex nihilo. But in this point in time, God was creating out of, out of chaos, out of mess, and God gave it function, God gave it purpose, and therefore now things existed. A chair existed, the day existed, the sun existed, night and day and everything uninhabitable was now habitable 
for the first humans. God created out of chaos. Because in this sense of chaos, the solution that God had in mind was rhythm. God had worked, and it was good. God saw that there was mess, and God, there, and God saw that there was chaos. It wasn't good, but then God made something out of it, and the next day it was good. And then on the seventh day, after work, after God was all finished, God rested and made that day holy. And I love in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, it says that God saw all that God had made, and it was very good. Very good. Not just good, but very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And so when God was finished, I could just imagine, just imagine with me after, especially imagine like you building something or you drawing something. And imagine uh, if you're a kiddo in here, you've made something with Play-Doh. Uh, maybe you love Play-Doh. Maybe you love to draw. Maybe you love to color. And, and as you color and you make something really cool, don't you want to just go to somebody like your mommy or dad and say, hey, look what I did. And I feel like that's the same with our own lives when we create something at work. Maybe it's in our hobby. You just kind of step back and you say, wow, that was really cool. I did this. I produced this. And I just feel like that's the imagination, that's the image that God, God had worked hard for six days. And after God had created something out of chaos and mess, God sits back and God says, wow, that was really cool. It said that God saw all that God had made and it was very good. And so there's two things that tells me about Sabbath. And the first is this. First, this idea of delight. There was chaos. That God made something out of the chaos. God rested from the chaos after creation. And God looked back and said, wow, that was really, that's really good. And I truly believe, and we'll talk about this in a moment, that this idea of, of Sabbath has everything to do with delight. When is the last time you, uh, this is kind of a figure of speech, you stepped outside and you smelled the roses? And you took inventory of the things that you were grateful for, the blessings in your life, the love that you experienced, the relationships that you're in. When is the last time you took a deep breath of fresh air and said, God, thank you for life? When's the last time you turned up the heat, now that it's getting colder, and you said, God, thank you for warmth? When is the last time you got into the car and said, God, thank you that I have transportation? God delighted in God's own creation. God looked around. God rested. And it wasn't just this rest where God just sat back on a recliner and said, all right, I'm checking out. No, God didn't do that. God didn't check out at all. In fact, God was very in creation, very much so. God wasn't working. God wasn't creating or producing. God was just delighting in the things that were in existence. Delighting in the fact that once there was chaos there was, and there was work, and now there's rest. And the second thing that I see all over scriptures about Sabbath uh, is this idea of being still. And all over scripture it says that rest, Sabbath, be still 
and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10, he says, Be still and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. Stillness is all over the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I believe stillness and Sabbath is, is fully integrated into one another. As we delight in the things that God has created, all the things that God has done, as we delight in the work that we've done, as God modeled that it's okay to say, yes, I've produced, I've achieved, I've done well, I've been diligent, I've been a good steward of my time and, and, and the resources and the blessings that where God has placed me, and now I get to rest and I get to delight and connect with God. And that requires not just delighting in, but to be still. Now, I love looking at these original words because it gives us insight on what the authors were saying. The Hebrew word here for be still is rafa. And it literally means to let go of something. There's an author named Ruth Haley Barton. She says this idea of rafa, to be still, it means letting your grip go of something. Sometimes we can delight in things, but yet still hold on so tightly Maybe you're in your Sabbath. Maybe you're, you're in your time with your family. You're playing with your kiddos. Maybe you're being uh, in a relationship with somebody. You have coffee with somebody because that brings you delight. And yet in the back of your mind, you're still holding on to the project that's due on Monday. Or the things that you have to achieve or the things that you have to get done. Maybe the laundry list of all your to-dos and you're just holding on and you're not fully present in this aspect of delighting in, in what God has done, what you have done. Because there's still a sense of holding on. And to be still isn't just to be completely still, rock solid still. It means to let go and breathe as you delight. And now, the interesting thing about this word rafa, to be still, where it's all over the Old Testament, where God not only says, but to commands us, and commands us to be still. Rafa, be rafa, be still. That is a good thing. The irony is, rafa is also used in Exodus, uh, where... Now, I can't get into the story where, where again, in, in the video that we saw, Pharaoh uh, had enslaved the, the Hebrews, the Israelites. And the Israelites wanted freedom from the work because the work was just laying bricks, building, seven days a week, 24-7. They were enslaved to do work, build, produce for Pharaoh. And, and finally, the, the Israelites, the, the Hebrews, they say, I want freedom from this. I don't want to do this kind of work. And Pharaoh says, I know why you want freedom, because you're lazy. It literally, it says, I know why you want out of this work is because you are lazy. The English translation says, you are lazy. And guess what the word lazy is in Hebrew? It's rafa. You are rafa. The very word that God uses as a good thing, as a thing that God commands us to do, to be still, if you want to use other English translations, God says, I want you to be lazy. It is a good thing, is the very word and the very thing that Pharaoh says is a bad thing. You're lazy. That's why you don't want to work. You should be working. You should be producing. You should be achieving all these things, it's used in a negative context, the same exact word. 
And so for the Israelites to, to Sabbath, to, to, yes, to work, work for Pharaoh, to work, 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 and, and then want to rest is an act of defiance. And this is what there's an Old Testament scholar named Walter Brueggemann that says that Sabbath is an act of defiance. It's defying the busy culture of always producing, of always building, and always working. And so if I had to define what it means to, be, to, to experience Sabbath, it's this. Sabbath is a day of delight and defiance. Sabbath is a day of delight and defiance. Because you are def- you're being defiant to what the culture says. Again, as we talked about, in the Northwest, in the West, in American culture, it, it is celebrated and it's a badge of honor to always be producing, to always achieve upward mobility, to reach the next step in your career. Now, don't get me wrong. All these things are good. To drive the nicest car, to have the biggest house, to compare yourselves with the Joneses across the street, and to have newer, better, and bigger all the time, and the act of defiance and Sabbath is saying, I don't need to achieve that. Yes, I can be working on this Sunday. Yes, I can be increasing my bank account on Saturday. Yes, I can get ahead on my project on my weekends. Yes, I can just skip my time with my family. I can skip my time with my relationships. I can skip church. I can skip small, whatever. I can just put all that to the side. And I can, yes, I can always constantly be working as society has conditioned me to do so. And as, and as society has told me it was a good thing, what if we rebelled against that concept? of always producing, and we were defiant. And we said, no, that comes to a full stop right now, right here, at least for this day. In order for me to delight and be still in the things that God has given me and as God has blessed me with, that is what Sabbath is all about. Is it about a particular time and day? Yes. Practically speaking, it is good to set aside a whole day to just rest, to to let go. That doesn't mean spend the day to Netflix and, and to just do nothing, although there's a time and place for that. But it's asking the question on this Sabbath day, what brings me delight? What brings me delight? Because whatever that is, that whatever that brings me delight in acknowledging what God has done in my life, I'm actually going to be defiant on the things that beckons my time and my energy so I can pour it into this idea of delighting with not only myself but with others. I love how one author, he's a professor at the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology, his name is Dan Allender, he says, he says, Sabbath it is about delight. It's for one day out of the week we dance and we celebrate. Dr. Allender says the day of Sabbath is about a day that we set aside one day out of the week to dance and to celebrate. And so hear me, God has already created, God has already made so we can stop trying to make. The world wants us to be depleted. The world wants us to be consumers. The world wants us to be online shoppers. The the world says that we need to just have the 
biggest and the newest and the best. And the way that we can be defiant is to say, no, I'm going to stop trying to produce that and just let go and receive. Again, it's not a day of mindlessness. But it's a day to bring honor and gratitude and joy. It's a day to be refreshed. I didn't want to talk about this, but I'll just spend just a second on talking about this idea of of soul. God even says on the seventh day, this is in Exodus 31, that uh, God rested and God was refreshed. And the word refreshed is this uh, word nafesh, which is the idea of soul. And as a verb in Exodus 31, it's about being refreshed or re-souled, or really S-O-U-L is another word for self in the Old Testament, is to be re-selfed. If you give away yourself every day of the week, if you're constantly giving your time and your energy, Sabbath is about the day that you kind of recollect yourself and you re-self on that day. You gather your thoughts. You, you prioritize what's important. You take an inventory of your relationship with God. You find rest and comfort in all the noise that's out there. You set aside one day just, just to be refreshed with the people you love, with God, with the things that brings you delight. And that could be different for all of us. Now that Marie and I are married, hiking is not what brings me delight. It was when we were dating, but now I can be fully honest and say, that's not what brings me delight. Climbing a big hill for miles and then hiking back down does not bring me delight. That's a lot of work. Maybe it's sitting back in, maybe it is, maybe spending time with my wife watching a movie. Maybe it is going for a walk. Maybe it's reading. Maybe... It's doing some kind of activity together, not something uh, that is forced, but something that brings me delight. Maybe it is spending an hour just reading the scriptures. Maybe it's singing songs to God. And maybe it is going to church. That's part of your Sabbath. Again, Sabbath isn't just reading the Bible and singing and going on your knees and just crying out to God. Yes, it can be, but it's also God saying, hey, rest. What brings you delight? Be still in that. And so my hope for all of us is that we all need to combat the societal norm of busyness. And we see in the New Testament that, that Sabbath is not just merely in a day, but it's in a person. And it's in the person of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 12, it says, Jesus is our Sabbath. What does that mean? Well, the chapter before that, Jesus describes it. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest. Now, for many of us, it's, it's time. And many of us, it's time to acknowledge and to even confess and to repent that the ways that we have been living our lives in this world of chaos and busyness just has not been working. And you can be the richest person in the world, have all the money and have a bunch of zeros in your bank account, and yet be so sad and so disconnected. 
Because God created us not only for relationship, not only to build and to work. Yes, believe it or not, part of the Garden of Eden reminds us that work has always been part of God's plan. God worked. God created us to work. It's not, people think, you know, like, I mean, I don't know what it feels like or what's going to happen after we die in heaven, but I will say this, work was pre-fall. There was work pre-fall. And so work has always been part of the plan. So it is a good thing. But don't forget, so has rest and unplugging and letting go and allowing God to work in our lives as we delight in God. And for many of us, we are weary. We're burdened. May we go to Jesus as Jesus promises us rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And as I invite the band back up, may, may we just enter into this a time of reflection in just a moment we'll take a moment to receive communion for many of us this verse describes us perfectly for those that are weary and burdened and many of us we're experiencing that weariness and that burden with work with productivity with just keeping our head above water, whatever that looks like, may we go to Jesus as he says, I make your burdens light. I give you rest. Doesn't that sound so amazing? Will you trust that God is in control so you don't have to be? And so as we work, and that work is a good thing, may we also rest to unplug, to delight in the ways that God has blessed us, to take an inventory of the ways that God is working in our lives. And that just gives us this reset button in order for us to enter back into this rhythm of work and then to rest again. To Sabbath is to delight and to be defiant. I love that. Rest to Sabbath is to delight in God and to, de to be defiant in what the world is trying to condition us to be and do. And may we say no to that. Absolutely not. And this is possible because of the work of Jesus who died on the cross and resurrected on the third day. And Jesus says, it is finished. Your need to constantly be producing, it is finished. You finding your worth in your work, it is finished no longer. Your weariness and your tiresome and your burdening, it is finished. Find rest in me. I have defeated death. And many of us, we are experiencing this kind of death every day, by, death by paper cuts, working, 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 producing, achieving. But Jesus' story doesn't stop at death. It ends with the resurrection. And so may we not stop at that paper cut of death, but may we experience full, fullness of life through the life and death of Jesus. 
so we can find rest for our weary souls. May we just take a deep breath. We're going to sing. May you enter into the song. When you're ready, will you come and just grab this communion cup? Will you just hold on to it and not take it quite yet? Maybe you want to just sing a little bit more with this. Maybe you want to pray. And I'm going to come up after the song and we'll take this together. Let's worship as a community. Come when you're ready and receive the cup that Jesus has given to us.